Chapter Forty One of the Night Horseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Night Horseman by Max Brand. Chapter Forty One. The Falling of Night. It had been hard to gauge the falling of night on this day, and even the careful eyes of the watchers on the Cumberland Ranch could not tell when the grayness of the sky was being darkened by the coming of the evening. All day there had been swift alterations of light and shadow, comparatively speaking, as the clouds grew thick or thin before the wind. But at length, indubitably, the night was there. Little by little the sky was overcast, and even the lines of the falling rain were no longer visible. Before the gloom of the darkness had fully settled over the earth, moreover, there came a change in the wind, and the watchers at the rain-beaten windows of the ranch house saw the clouds roll apart and split into fragments that were driven from the face of the sky, and from the clean, washed face of heaven the stars shone bright and serene, and still Dan Barry had not come. After the tumult of that long day, the sudden silence of that windless night had more ill omen in it than thunder and lightning. For there is something watching and waiting in silence. In the living room, the three did not speak. Now that the storm was gone, they had allowed the fire to fall away until the hearth showed merely fragmentary dances of flame and a wide bed of dull red coals growing dimmer from moment to moment. Wung Lu had brought in a lamp, a large lamp with a circular wick that cast a bright white light, but Kate had turned down the wick, and now it made only a brief circle of yellow in one corner of the room. The main illumination came from the fireplace and struck on the faces of Kate and Buck Daniels, while Joe Cumberland on the couch at the end of the room was only plainly visible when there was an extraordinarily high leap of the dying flames. But usually his face was merely a glimmering hint in the darkness, his face and that long hands which were folded upon his breast. Often, when the flames leapt, there was a crackling of the embers and the last of the log, and the two nearer the fire would start and flash a glance, of one accord, towards the prostrate figure on the couch. The silence had lasted so long that when at length the dull voice of Joe Cumberland broke in, there was a ring of a most prophetic solemnity about it. "'He ain't come,' said the old man. "'Dan ain't here.' The others exchanged glances, but the eyes of Kate dropped sadly and fastened again upon the hearth. Buck Daniels cleared his throat like an orator. "'Nobody but a fool,' he said, "'would have started out of Elkhead in a storm like this.' "'Weather makes no difference to Dan,' said Joe Cumberland." "'But he'd think of his hoss.' "'Weather makes no difference to Satan,' answered the faint, oracular voice of Joe Cumberland. "'Kate?' "'Yes. Is he coming?' She did not answer. Instead, she got up slowly from her place by the fire and took another chair far away in the gloom, where hardly a glimmer of light reached to her, and there she let her head rest, as if exhausted, against the back of the seat.' He promised, said Buck Daniels, striving desperately to keep his voice cheerful. And he never busts his promises. Aye, said the old man, he promised to be back, but he ain't here. If he started after the storm, said Buck Daniels. He didn't start after the storm, announced the oracle. 
He was out in it. What was that? cried Buck Daniels sharply. The wind, said Kate, for it's rising. It will be a cold night tonight. And he ain't here, said the old man monotonously. Ain't there things that might hold him up? asked Buck with a touch of irritation. I said the old rancher, they's things that'll hold him up. They's things that'll turn a wild dog, too, and the taste of blood is one of them. The silence fell again. There was an old clock standing against the wall. It was one of those tall, wooden frames in which, behind the glass, the heavy, polished disc of the pendulum alternated slowly back and forth with a wearisome precision, and with every stroke of the seconds there was a faint, metallic clangor in the clock, a falter like that which comes in the voice of a very old man, and the sound of this clock took possession of every silence until it seemed like the voice of a doomsman counting off the seconds. I, everyone in the room, again and again, took up the tale of those seconds and would count them slowly, fifty, fifty-one, fifty-two, fifty-three, and on and on, waiting for the next speech or for the next popping of the wood upon the hearth or the next wail of the wind that would break upon the deadly expectancy of that count. And while they counted, each looked straight before him with wide and widening eyes. Into one of these pauses the voice of Buck Daniels broke at length, and it was a cheerless and lonely voice in that large room, in the dull darkness and the duller lights. Do you remember Shorty Martin, Kate? I remember him. He turned in his chair and hitched it a little closer to her, until he could make out her face dimly among the shadows. The flames jumped on the hearth, and he saw a picture that knocked at his heart. The little bow-legged fellow, I mean. Yes, I remember him very well. Once more the flames sputtered, and he saw how she looked wistfully before her and above. She had never seemed so lovely to Buck Daniels. She was pale indeed, but there was no ugly pinching of her face, and if there were shadows beneath her eyes, they only served to make her eyes seem marvelously large and bright. She was pallid, and the firelight stained her skin with touches of tropic gold, and cast a halo of the golden hair about her face. She seemed like one of those statues wrought in the glory and the rich days of Athens in ivory and in gold. Some goddess, who has heard the tidings of the coming fall, the change of the old order, and sits passive in her throne, waiting the doom from which there is no escape. Something of this filtered through to the sad heart of Buck Daniels. He too had no hope, nay, he had not even her small hope. But somehow he was able to pity her and cherish the picture of her in that gloomy place. It seemed to Buck Daniels that he would give ten years from the best of his life to see her smile as he had once seen her in those old bright days. He went on with his tale. You would have busted laughing if you'd seen him at the Circle Y bar roundup the way I seen him. Shorty ain't so bad with a rope. He's always talking about what he can do and how he can daub a rope on anything that's got horns. He ain't so bad, but then again he ain't so good either. Especially ain't so good at riding. You know what bold legs he got, Kate. I remember Buck. She was looking at him at last, and he talked eagerly to turn that look into a smile. Well, 
They was the three of us got after one two-year-old, a bull, and a badden. Shorty was on one side, and me and Cuddle was on the other side. Shorty dobbed his rope and made a fair catch, but when his hoss set back, the rope busted plumb in two. Now Shorty, he had an idea that he could ease the work of his hoss a whole pile if he laid holt of the rope whenever his hoss set down to flop a cow. So Shorty, he had holt on this rope and was pulling back hard when the rope busted, and Shorty, he spilled backwards out in that saddle like he'd been kicked out. Whilst he's laying there, the bull that had took a header when the rope busted come up on his feet again, and I'll tell a man he was rarin' mad. He seen Shorty lying on the ground, and he took a run for Shorty. Me and Cuddle was laughing so hard we couldn't barely swing our ropes, but I made a throw and managed to get that bull around both horns. So my Betty sits down and braces herself for the tug. In the meantime, little Shorty, he sits up and he lays a hand to his head, and same time he sees that bull come tearing for him. Up he jumps, and just then the bull comes to the end of the line and wonk. Down he goes, head over heels, and hits the sand with a bang that must have jostled his liver some, I'll be saying. Well, Shorty, he sees that bull fly up in the air, and he lets out a yell like the world was coming to an end, and starts running. If he'd run straight back the other way, the bull couldn't have run a step, because I had him fast with my rope. But Shorty seen me, and he comes tiring from my horse to get behind him. The bull was like a cat getting to his feet, and he sights Shorty, tearing, and lights out after him. There they went, lickety-split. That bull was puffing on the seat of Shorty's trousers and tossing his horns and just missing Shorty by inches. And Shorty had his mouth so wide open hollering that you could have thrown a side of beef down his throat, and his eyes were bugging out. Them bow legs of his was stretching ten yards at a clip, most like, and the boys say that they could hear him hollering a mile away. But that bull stretched himself all he could, couldn't gain an inch on Shorty, and Shorty couldn't gain an inch on the bull. Till the bull come to the other end of that forty-foot rope, and then wang, goes up the heels of the bull, and down goes his head, and his heels come over, wonk, and hits Shorty right square on the head. Then an ordinary fella, who wouldn't have lived to talk about it afterwards, seeing it was Shorty, he just goes up in the air and lands about ten yards away, rolls over, and hits his feet without once getting off his stride. And then he did start running, and he didn't stop running nor hollering, so he got plumb back to the house. Buck Daniels sat back in his chair and guffawed at the memory. In the excitement of the tale, he had quite forgotten Kate. But when he remembered her, she sat with her head craned a little to one side, her hand raised for silence and a smile, indeed, upon her lips, but never a glance for Buck Daniels. He knew at once. "'Is it him?' he whispered. "'Do you hear him?' "'Hush!' commanded two voices. And then he saw that old Joe Cumberland was also listening. "'No,' said the girl suddenly. "'It was only the wind.' As if in answer, a far, faint whistling broke upon them. She drew her hand slowly towards her breast, as if indeed she drew the sound in with them. "'He's coming,' she cried. "'Oh, Dad, listen!' Don't you hear? I do, answered the rancher. But what I'm hearing don't warm my blood none. Kate, if you're wise, you'll get up and go to your room and don't pay no heed to anything you might be hearing tonight. End of chapter 41